You are watching and listening to the Alter Life Show, the show about business, life, and relationships. We are uh, having a little technical difficulties with our live area on Facebook, but there it is. It popped on. You couldn't find the internet connection. When I tested everything. You know how that happens sometimes in life and business? Happens all the time. So we talk about business. Uh, we have experts in business and people that are experienced with business uh, on our show from around the world. People about life, whether uh, it could be a psychic that's written a book, a gypsy that's written a book and talks about herbal, natural healing. Or we can also have people that are experts about relationships. I say relationship instead of relationships because uh, relationship is something that's a big part of our life, whether it's a, a friend business relationship, uh, your relationship with your wife or your daughter, sister, whoever it might be, that's one of the most important things. So relationships. And today I'm really excited to have our special guest, Steve Conlon. He's managing partner of Ogden's Own Distillery. Uh, he was just on my show, Passion Living with Adam, uh, last week, right. which you'll see at some point soon. And I'm really excited to have him on here. Thank you for being on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, so we want to have him on here because uh, Five Wives Wild has been around since 2000. I'm sorry, Ogden's Own Distillery has been around since 2008. Yes, yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah, yeah. I remember that from our last yeah. interview. <laughs> we covered a lot of turf in a lot of yeah, a very did. short period of time. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit uh, about um, what, how, why did you get started in this, and what started it. Sure. Um, you know, the company was actually started by a, um, one of my partners, Tim Smith, who's been the owner and maker of our property. Mm-hmm. It, it had always been the passion of him to, to make a distillery. And um, he was an acquaintance of mine. I knew him through some mutual friends. And he was always kind of the guy who showed up with some, some alcohol samples to try at parties or get togethers. And, uh, one day he came to me and just said, hey, you know, I've been trying to get this off the ground for a while. Um, do you have any input or thoughts on it? And um, the next thing you know, we're, we're launching a business together with uh, six other partners. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, talking about relationship. There you yeah, go. You, uh, you start a business with uh, eight guys, you have a lot of uh, um, interesting dynamics going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's how it started. It was really just kind of a singular vision of Tim's and then we expanded to a vision of you know eight other guys and we've all kind of played a role and had input and here we are nine years well coming up on nine years I guess we just passed our eight year mark so um, coming up on um, 10 years is not too far down the road that we've been doing this so great let's get in a little more so you can sure um, so you know uh now that we have the time to talk a little more, mm-hmm. it reminds me of, uh, you know, I've been in business for years and years. And a lot of the time, uh, business owners, myself and others, will be like, I don't want a partner. They're too hard to deal with. You brought up a good point. You have seven of them, yeah. and eight, including yourself, right? 
Yeah, well, now we have nine. We brought in another partner at one point. So we have nine total partners. Yeah. Great. So what has your experience been dealing with so many different people and personalities and that stigma that a lot of business entrepreneurs have? I don't want to deal with a partner. I've dealt with that before. I think what, it's a, what does that look like I, for you? I think it's a um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge in that yeah, you know, the person that had the singular vision lots of times, um, they don't want to let go of that. Right? They don't necessarily you know, they had the drive to get it going, they had the kind of what it should be. And when you have suddenly nine or opinions of actually very smart people, um, you know, you have to be willing to back off and say like, okay, maybe somebody does have a better idea. Maybe there are some things that I don't know that other people do. And I think it becomes, you know, a matter of listening and evaluating. And we still have lots of issues that come up that we have disagreements with, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think knowing what your role is, it's like being on a baseball team, right? You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't play catcher if you're the first baseman. Um, You know, you don't play shortstop if you're, you know, on second base and you have to know what your role is and um, do your best in that role. But that doesn't mean you can't bring opinions to the table. Um, It just means that your role is most important to the team. And, you know, there's lots of opinions going to be um, shared and expressed. And, and sometimes you just don't get your, your way. (laughs) And that goes for, you know, even like I'm in the role of managing partner, um, that means I make the ultimate decisions most of the time. We actually, we're structured in a little bit of a way where our partners have a review process for most stuff. And um, so, you know, there, there's just constant discussion. And, but the beautiful thing is I am surrounded by people way smarter than me mm-hmm. with experience in different levels. You know, I have a partner who was a judge. I have a partner who's an attorney. I have a partner who's a doctor. I have a partner who was in airplane financing. I have a partner who has done a lot of entrepreneurial type investing. So we have just a wealth of knowledge with our partners. And it would be dumb of me not to sit back and listen to them when they have something to say. Because I don't know it all. You know? And that's, I think, what you have to come to terms with when you have partners. You want to know it all. Um, but in a way, you know, it's like having brothers or, or, uh, or parents telling you what to do. Is they, the, I think the key is recognizing that you're really all on this. You, you all want the same thing. You all want success. Mm-hmm. You just may see different ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to set your ego aside lots of times. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds yeah. like it. Do you ever have uh, struggles with either yourself or someone that's like, no, we have to do this. Oh, sure. This sure. is the wrong path. Yeah. And I mean, I'm often that guy. I'm often that one. You know, <laughs> saying like, no, we can't do that. You guys don't know, sh- you know, anyway, mm-hmm. because you're not here seven days a week type thing. Mm-hmm. Which there's some validity to that, but there's also, you know, I, I have to take that ego component and say, well, maybe, maybe even though they're not here seven days a week, they do know some things, or maybe that perspective is right. Or maybe, you know, maybe my perspective is blinded by everything I do seven days a week, right? We get kind of wrapped up in our own world and it's a bubble, you know, you've heard that term, I'm sure. Sure. And, uh, you know, that happens. Um, but we've had some knock down, drag out, yelling, 
over the conference table fights at each other, you know? The and, one the one we were gonna do the show. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I've known all these guys long enough that they are like brothers. That at the end of it I can grab them by the shoulder and go, That was that was heated. Mm. But I always come back to that we all want the same thing. We all want this company and business to grow as fast as possible to its biggest, you know, potential. And um and if I can put myself back into that mindset that that's where everybody's coming from, it becomes really easy to release the ego, right? It's, it's not about me. It's not about that person. It's so, good. Yeah. It's not good in the moment sometimes. Yeah, I know. I, know. I get that. That's yeah, great yeah. that you're actually, you're all committed to the same cause and that's why you're sure. able to work this out. Yeah. And you're yeah. probably, you're probably not to toot, you probably don't want to toot your own home, but for it to work out, you have to have a strong leader. And if you're managing it, sounds like you're a believer. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a way, the buck does stop with me, and I do have the knowledge that's been garnered over the last ten years, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine years, um, of that that my partners who aren't active day to day, they just don't have that knowledge. Um, they haven't lost. They may have lost sleep, but they haven't lost as much sleep as I've lost. <laughs> advance the cause of that. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Not to struggle that uh, every business will have what is your ROI for what you spend. Sure. I mean, yeah, I know you. I know you're going to relate to this, but I've over the years I've talked to a lot of uh, companies that want my advertising dollars to advertise, and they always say repetition. If you repeat, um, you'll get better results. It's like, well, for you, I'm the one spending the fifteen hundred dollars a month, right, for six months and not getting any return. You want me to keep doing that, right, right. And and so for me, the way I've gauged it is. I'll spend money if I get a good response immediately. I stick with it, yeah, and then I increase it. If I don't, then I stop. I, I, yeah. I don't want to get hooked on the hook for that. Right, and you know, it, <clears throat> and if you take that and you shift it over to like what we do versus the big guys, right? You know, the the great gooses and the da- Jack Daniels of the world. You know, we're we're able to do like small runs of t-shirts, right? That we might be able to get them down to you know eight nine bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Whereas those guys do runs of a hundred thousand at a time, and it's costing them a dollar or two a piece in China. You know, and it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's it's very interesting in this business to watch because you're just um, you're doing what you can to emulate what big guys have proven actually works, mm. if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Because I have that yeah. same, with my supplement company, I have that same struggle. Yeah. People tell me, well, just do this. Well, that's 80 cents a package. That would make my product either lose the money, I don't make you that much. Yeah. Or I don't make any money. Right. And so, for yeah. me, it's 80 cents a package. For business, them, it might be 10 cents. Business is about economy of scale. Mm-hmm. You need to get to a level where you can do all the things that need to be done at a scale that backs the cost down, you know? And, you know, we're, we're, you know, gosh, nine years into this, you know, we're, we're nowhere near that ourselves. Like, you know, we, we still pay, you know, we're doing small bottle runs compared to what sure people want. We're doing sure. small label runs compared to what gets you down to the, the mm-hmm. um, less expensive costs. You know, our, our swag is, is what we can throw together at a reasonable cost, you know, and uh, it, it's, but at the same time, you have to try to emulate what other, the big companies have already proven works sure. um, as far as building brand awareness. Mm-hmm. I, you know, off, off, <coughs> off the subject, I'm not quite, just remember, um, I might be able to help you with that promotional okay. items thing. Right. When I my first business, because I started a candy cart business when I was twelve. Okay. And I was in uh, middle school, and I sold to the kids that were getting out of school. I put them home, pull my cart out of the garage, and then sell. And I was the most successful business in my class because it was a classroom project. Sure. Now, six seven years later, I started. Uh, selling T-shirts, okay. and stuff. Um, what? Uh, so you mentioned like some of the big companies have a hundred million dollars to spend on launching a product. Yeah, you know when we launched, when we started off, we started with Underground. It's our herbal liqueur, mm-hmm. kind of a similar to Sambuca or Jägermeister or many other herbal liqueurs you it's find great. throughout yeah. Europe. It's right? a great product. So if you can actually taste like a more it's less sugary and therefore you get to experience you can taste the, the quality. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's got 33 herbs and spices in it. They're blended and it's just a it's it's a very complex flavor, but it's very tasty. 
But when we, we launched that, so in Europe, lots of countries have their own version of an herbal liqueur. So mm-hmm. Greece has Uzo, um, you know, Sambuca and Sambuca in uh, Italy. Um, yeah. Um, Harlem Cruiden in the Netherlands. Mm. Okay. And so Diageo, um, which is one of the big liquor companies in the States, decided they were going to bring Harlem Cruiden to um, the States as a competitor to Jaeger. Mm. And they launched that product in 2009 or 2010 with a hundred million dollar budget. That's crazy. Yeah, and no one, it never took off, right? Yeah, it never took off. They just, it never, it just was wrong time for that product or, you know, they couldn't buy the publicity needed to make it go. And that's just, I always use that as a um, reminder that just simply throwing money at stuff doesn't necessarily make it work. Yeah. You have to make good decisions along the way. You have to have good products. You have to have good labeling. You have to all the, the stuff that comes along with it. And uh, I, I'm glad that that happened right as we were watching, launching Underground because it served me as a constant reminder that, hey, even if you had $100 million, you still got to make good decisions or you're just going to throw it all away. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, it makes great sense. I, I always remind people because uh, you have people around naysayers or just people that aren't trying to do things like, like we're doing. And uh, they will say, well, just do this. We'll just do that. Well, it takes money to do that sometimes. Sure. And it, or, it, uh, or they wonder why something failed. And you have to explain them because things fail. You remember New Coca-Cola or... Yeah, know, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I kind of date. Brilliant people, people make bad decisions yeah, all the time. Happens. I mean, if you're a sports fan, you see it all the time in the sports world, right? Mm-hmm. Every move in sports is designed to make you a winner. Yeah. Because it means it's, it's going to work out. It right? you're always going to win. Yeah, and these guys are experts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's what business a lot of times is, is, is um, it's risk assessment, mm-hmm. right? It's making the decision that gives you the best chance or success and avoiding the ones that don't and that you may be wrong but it's risk assessment you're giving yourself the best chance I mean you're always gonna it's always gonna work out but you know it hopefully was the better option than the other options you have true true so, what what's the hardest thing that you've had to deal with growing this company I think just um, you know having I don't want to say a lack of money, but we started on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was a, when we started, it was a total risk. We had no idea what we were really doing. And um, so we started with very low capital and, and just the challenge of balancing all of that, um, making sure that our cash flow supports what we're doing, um, making sure that uh, we're able to constantly have inventory and then reinvest into marketing and all that sort of stuff. So just the management of, of, uh, not having a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. That's the thing. hundred million dollars allows you oh, some, some latitude to make mistakes, right? And, and sometimes you might make a big mistake and it works out. But when you have a smaller budget, you, um, you have to make sh- sure that that risk assessment I was talking about is uh, accurate and good. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, 
Yeah, how many SKUs do you have? How many uh, different products do you have? We have eight different products, um, and we have some of those in various sizes. So, um, yeah, we have Five Wives Vodka. Um, we have the Heavenly Vanilla version of that, the Sinful um, Cinnamon version of that. And we have Underground Herbal Liqueur, which we spoke about. And then we have Porter's Flavored Whiskeys, which are we have a peach and apple and a cinnamon um, flavor of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we just have a new gen out called Madame Paterini Gen. Mm, so. Tell me, tell us the story of the Madame Paterini Gen. Okay, so Madame Paterini, all of our products pay homage to kind of Utah history mm-hmm. and some of the quirkier things that we've uh, come across living here. And Madame Paterini was actually Brigham Young. So the uh, second prophet of the, the LDS church, Brigham Young, the uh, gentleman who led the LDS faithful to Utah, um, had a son. Well, he had lots of sons. He had 38 children. 38 children, I think. And his 35th child was his son, um, B. Morris Young. Mm. And B. Morris liked to dress up in drag and perform op- opera all over the Wasatch Front, from Logan to Shitterhouse. Mm. And uh, his stage name was Madame Paterini. And it turns out that Madame Paterini, B. Morris Young, um, actually started the young men's part of the church, which is just kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that was just a, you know, what we like to do is kind of dig into the past and, and kind of pay homage to what um, Utah culture may have uh, suppressed along the way and kind of bring it back to, to light. Mm. And so that's where that whole concept comes from. That's great. So, yeah. That's great. What, uh, you just want to give homage to that for uh, Utah, like a Utah story? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you can name a um, product after just about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your cousin or um, a mountaintop or anything. We like our products to have a, a little deeper reference. Um, you know, for instance, Underground really comes right out of Ogden in that Ogden um, during the early, late 1800s, early 1900s had tunnels running down 25th Street. Um, really? Where a lot of the illicit things happened, you know, the drugs mm-hmm. and prostitution, opium dens and, wow. and drinking through Prohibition and everything. I'm really good. Yeah. And so that's our little homage to, to where we started and we call it underground because those underground tunnels are are legendary to a lot of people in the community here. So Has that, would you say the naming things like that helped your sales? Because you were talking about the performance, spending $100 million, having the right yeah. labeling. Has the names helped you? Um, I don't think it's hurt. Um, I think, you know, we, we put a lot of time into considering what we're going to do and, you know, Five Wives Vodka you know, obviously people bring to it the idea of polygamy. Um, not necessarily does it mean that, but we knew when we started this company, people, or when we started Five Wives, that they would think in that direction. So um, giving it something, a kitschy kind of label, um, I'd like to say it, it gives people to talk something to talk about once they've got their, your product in hand. And um, I think that, you know, naming products or, or um Going, being smart about it like that um, gives you a better shot, right? Um, otherwise, all products would just be generic, 
I just say beer, yeah, <laughs> vodka, yeah, or true. whatever. I mean, like um, living in Russia, pa- and yeah. Uh, yeah. everything is done. Yeah, packaging packaging matters. You know, um, you know, Apple packages their computers in a certain way because they know the customer is going to interact with it in a certain way. They're going to take their time to lift it off and fold over and and feel the, mm. the design. That's true. And so, yeah, there's. I think it matters. Yeah. Good. Um, you have any new products coming up in the works? We've got a couple of things. You know, we just launched um, our Apple, Porter's Apple and our um, Madame Paterini Gen about three and a half, four months ago. Mm. So we've got some things in the works, but we probably won't worry about them until next year. It just takes a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of, uh, I call it uh, shaking hands and kissing babies to get a new product out like a, there. Like a politician? Yeah, you got to go out and spend time with the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to get them to try your, your product. You got to get them to know about it. You got to get them to, to um, be friendly with it. Mm-hmm. And um, so launching new product takes product takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. Um, it's, it's not as easy as just, hey, got a new bottle out there. How many of you do it? Yeah, it's it. This is a like tough, everything. But this is a tough business. You yeah. know, people who drink drink habitually, <laughs> and I don't mean that that they drink all the time. I mean that what they drink is what they tend to drink. Mm, like I drink vodka. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes so, red wine or white wine. Yeah. Usually vodka. But when it comes to spirits, you probably have a vodka you like too, right? You have wine vodka, of course. <laughs> Uh, you have your go-to vodka, and people who drink rum have their go-to rum, and people who drink uh, whiskey have their Jack and Coke. And it's not easy to move them from that habit. Move them from a bank? No. I remember I was trying to help my some people to my friend was a bank manager. It was crazy how hard it was. Yeah. Even when they were saying, "I need a new bank in the right place," here's one. Yeah. You know, what creatures let me take you with me and do it just to, so it's done. I wasn't getting anything out of it except for helping two people. Yeah. But it, what amazes me actually in, in human nature is that people will ask you for something and you give it to them, offer them, and they still won't take it even when they're asking for it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something I've never quite understood about us. We are creatures of comfort and, ha- and, yeah. and habit, you know, and, uh, yeah, and we're all guilty of it. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not—it's just yeah, how we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, like I—I've driven Toyotas all my life. It's, um, I drive Toyotas. You know, when I when I go to buy a new car, it's the first thing I go look at, just because that's what I'm habitualized to. Not that other cars aren't great. So we'll wrap it up on the radio version. Okay. We'll just finish up a little bit more on the Facebook. Okay. Uh, live. Um, thank you for being on. Uh, on the show, Steve. Yeah. I'm really glad to have you on here. Uh, my wife has been a sponsor of my events. Uh, did, you, did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> to be my um, And so thank you for that. I appreciate it. And it's great to see you know a company to grow and be able to compete at the level that you're at with the big companies. Well, like you're and that's, that's due to the support of the community, Utah community. You know, I mean, that's that's key. That you know, the people here have embraced us. Great. Uh, keep listening to our shows, the Alter Life Show. Go to alterlifeshow.com. You can also find us on podcast, and you can also find us on Facebook 
and a bunch of other places. But if you go to ultralifeshow.com, you can usually find everything there. Um, thank you for listening and watching. And keep your ears and eyes open for our next show. And make sure you run out and buy some accelerator. Catch you guys later. Thank you.